This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. If someone asks, what do Buddhists believe? They might be told that Buddhist teachings are summed up in the Four Noble Truths. Life is suffering, that there's a cause of suffering and desire or attachment, but that suffering can be ended, and the way to end suffering is through the Eightfold Path. And when that is explained to a person, they might say, that's it's very interesting, but is, is there more? Is, or does that really sum up the whole thing? And you say, well, there's also the Heart Sutra, and they say, well, what, is, what does that say? And he says, well, that says there is no suffering, and there's no cause or end of suffering, no path, no extinction, no wisdom, no gain. That everything that they have just been told is a noble truth, is negated in the Heart Sutra. And that ends saying, this is the truth, not a lie. (laughs) So we're presented immediately with two sets of seemingly contradictory truths. One that lays out a whole description of the way things are, what the nature of human nature and suffering supposed to be like, and another that undercuts all of that in a way that may be hard to understand. There's a whole way in which teaching and practice of Zen is about undercutting or deconstructing any notion at all that we have of who we are, what our life amounts to, what's right or wrong with it, what we should do about any of it. And it's a process, in fact, of looking at our very ideas of what is self, what is Buddha, what is suffering. It is the practice. This kind of 
anti-foundational or deconstructive side of practice, you know, gets sent, summed up by the master who says, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. And we're in constantly encountering the Buddha on the mind road. We're constantly summoning up some picture in our own mind of what Buddha is or more mundanely who we think we're supposed to be. And over and over we have to examine that and try to subtract it over and over again. This move is paralleled in all sorts of places in Western philosophy and religion. We shouldn't think that Buddhism is necessarily unique in that. When Nietzsche says God is dead, he's trying to say something very similar to to kill the Buddha. He's trying to say, take what's most foundational and subtract that. The contemplative tradition in Christianity that, to which Thomas Merton belonged was called the apophatic way, the way of subtraction, of constantly taking any image you have of God, negating that, trying to leave an open space in which grace could act. And you could not have that open space as long as it was filled with some devotional picture of, of God or of morality. You had to create a space of emptiness. Wittgenstein's philosophy was called analytic because he thought the job of philosophy was not to put forth propositions about the way life is or how we should behave, but to analyze our ongoing mode of language and thought and see how we entangle ourselves. And our job was, he made an analogy to what philosophers do to what Freud did, that we analyze, we take apart the images, ideas we have that are getting us all tangled up. doesn't put forward something in its place, but allows us to see how we're tripping over ourselves our very attempt to relieve our suffering. We have to enact this process over and over in every sitting. In every sitting we will inevitably have some picture of how it's going of are we doing it right? Are we maintaining our form, our posture, our breath, our attention in a certain way? And there'll be an endless process of comparison. And we have to endlessly come back and identify and watch how we think we're doing, how we think we ought to be doing, and always return to what's actually happening. How does it actually feel? What is our mind? What is this moment? What kind of picture or form are we trying to put it into? The calligraphy over there above the top of the stairs with that happy-looking fellow 
the inscription says, um, have a mind like tofu. In a round bowl it's round, and in a square bowl it's square. It simply fits into whatever form, whatever shape each moment presents. In fact, what we see as we sit is that we've got a lot of tofu spilling over the sides. <laughs> right? And that we don't really allow it to stay contained by this moment. This moment doesn't quite fit. It's not big enough. It's too small enough. It's not just quite what I had in mind. And so something is always spilling over onto the side. Some teachers say we constantly have to wipe the mirror clean of dust. This morning I'd say we just constantly have to wipe off the tofu that we're spilling on the floor. 